The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as betting stats and trends that you won't find anywhere else. And finally, we are brought to you by BetQL, the only app that puts the knowledge you need to make smart bets in the palm of your hand. Log on to BetQL.co today. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast, and today is Monday, June 11th. On your commute, going to work, and I feel sorry for you, but that's all right. What a week that it was, and what an opportunity this will be. Truth be told, this is the last episode on the old Sports Gambling Podcast feed. What is going to be happening, for those that haven't seen the quote-unquote cryptid tweets from Ryan and Sean, if you have seen them, you could guess what's coming. Sports Gambling Podcast is expanding into the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And what that means for you is the regular Sports Gambling Podcast, which are the shows run by Sean and Ryan, basically exclusively. Um, I'm not exactly sure exactly what shows are going to go where. Uh, but the Ryan and Sean shows are going to be on the SGP feed uh, that has been the home for absolutely everything. So if you've uh, been a subscriber to the Sports Gambling Podcast feed. You've seen everything from myself to Billy to the Dirty Sports Guys to the regular shows of Ryan and Sean, whether that be baseball, whether that be basketball, of course, the football shows that is our bread and butter. So what that means is the Inside Vegas podcast, this podcast is going to be moving so instead of just getting this on the old SGP feed, you are going to have to do a little work. You got to go to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed, which is at the T-H-E S-G-P Network. So again, that's at the S-G-P Network. This is very easy to do. I feel I have a lot of confidence in you guys that you can do it. And again, I'm not going to be the only podcast there. We have a ton of new shows that are just not Ryan and Sean. They're going to be coming over here. Everyone has been clamoring for Colby to do a show for so long based on the success of his college basketball uh, kind of picks in website and written work. Well, guess what? You guys are finally getting your wish. Colby is going to be hosting his own uh, college basketball show called The College Experience by Colby Dan. Again, The College Experience is going to be on this feed. Not to mention, Billy Bahati is going to be hosting his own show on this feed I believe the plan right now is to do daily. World Cup 24-7 is a daily podcast from Billy is also going to be on this feed. And again, any expansion that is outside of the norm of Ryan and Sean is going to be on this feed. So this is kind of uh, the the jumping off point and the expansion of Sports Coming Podcast that is kind of uh, come to life at this point. And again, this is uh, by... the Hands down, this is only because of you guys and what you have done to kind of grow this band or grow this band, grow this brand and what you have done for us. And we cannot thank you guys enough, honest to God. Um, so again, thank you guys so much. And again, what the SGP network feed is going to be is myself, Colby and Billy at this point to start out. And again, 
Who knows what the future will hold? But again, like myself with the Inside Vegas podcast, Colby is going to be hosting a similar show by him. I don't want to say by himself, but with guests going over every college pick that you guys have, have kind of come to love so much. So again, that feed for the podcast app, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast is at the SGP Network, T-H-E SGP Network. So now that that's out of the way, we're going to be going a little bit deeper into what this episode of Inside Vegas is. And again, <clears throat> this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the Inside Vegas podcast. This breaks down the differences of something that myself, Sean, and Ryan have broke down so many, so many times. The differences between daily fantasy and uh, sports handicapping, professional gambling, right? Uh, betting teams against the spread, betting totals versus the daily grinders out there uh, that bet DFS every single day for substantial uh, sums of money. Which one is better? Which one is, you know, the differences between the two of them and kind of where the middle ground lies? Because I feel like this is such a good topic for the SGP audience because quite frankly, it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say half and half, probably more of you like the gambling aspect. Obviously, obviously it's called Sports Gambling Podcast, but there's such a big demographic of us that, that love the daily fantasy aspect of it, that play daily fantasy with the podcast and everything like that. So we have on this show, Sean Pfeiffer. Sean is the CEO and founder of Rotorator. And what he has done is essentially created kind of a one-stop shop for daily fantasy and everything that goes along with that, be it um, the differences in a tout handicapper, somebody that uh, sells picks versus somebody that sells lineups. The differences between daily fantasy, because make no mistakes about it, Sean is a professional daily fantasy player. Uh, versus a daily fantasy or uh, versus a uh, gambler, which is the kind of the part that I played in this conversation. I mean, kind of how that goes back and forth and the different things that you can do to kind of apply both crafts to your handicapping and to your DFS uh, handicapping. So again, this is Sean Pfeiffer of Rotorator, and I hope you guys enjoy the interview, which is basically the differences between playing professional daily fantasy sports for a living versus being a professional sports handicapper. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, one and only Sean Favor of RotoRadar.net. Now, Sean, what is going on? Uh, how is everything going for you this week? I know you've had some some great luck and some great skill this week, uh, especially taking down some big tournaments in the GPP world. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of fortune coming our way. Sometimes, and and we've talked about this a little bit uh, before we jumped on the podcast. But sometimes, when you do the research, it doesn't always mean results, right? Uh, this week, it wasn't the case. This this week, the research kind of aligned with the results, and uh, gratefully, thankfully, graciously, uh, last Friday we had a seventy five thousand dollar night. So we wound up taking third. Uh, a $2,000 tournament over there on DraftKings. So it was, it's been a good week. This has been one of the best weeks of the MLB season and hoping to continue, well, th this hot streak going into this weekend. Uh, but great to be on the show with you, Christian. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about a lot of different hot topics. Absolutely, man. Um, so let's just start there. Let's start with kind of your introduction and kind of how you got started in the space of daily fantasy and kind of what led you to kind of start Roto Radar uh, and go full time and, and be professional in the DFS kind of world and community. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy to think, but in 2014, it's been four years now. Well, it, it will be four years in August. Uh, I was working, actually owning a marketing firm. So I, I had a marketing firm. It was called Altitude Media uh, and realized really quickly that uh, that wasn't 
where my passion lied. My passion lied on my phone. And my wife at the time just would always talk to me about it. Obviously, I told her what I was doing and told her all the research and why I was looking at box scores every night for NBA and MLB and NFL uh, and, and why at the end of the night I was making more money from FanDuel and, and DraftKings than I was on you know, the, the, the companies that I was working for. Uh, so I decided and we decided, and, and honestly, I do owe a lot to her because she was the one that really kind of pushed me over the proverbial edge, uh, so to say, to, to take this leap of faith to drop what we were doing, dissolve the marketing firm, give all of our clients of the marketing firm to another marketing agency in Colorado and really push daily fantasy sports uh, full time and, and take that leap of faith. Well, whenever it started, it was really scary to be a hundred percent honest with you. When you make that, that leap of getting guaranteed income uh, from working in, in marketing. And, and before that, prior to that, I was working at ESPN, doing a lot of on air work for them. Uh, also doing a lot of producing work, producing a lot of the shows that you probably hear now as well as working for Fox Sports and ABC. Obviously, no surprise here. TV doesn't pay well. It's fun. You meet a lot of really, really good people. Uh, and it's it's a good time, but it doesn't necessarily pay the bills. So even then, so, I mean, we're dating ourselves a little bit here, but uh, you're looking back six, seven years, uh, even back when I was working for these companies, it was always DraftKings and FanDuel that were, then, so to say, paying the bills. Back then, yes, I did have that guaranteed income coming in, and I viewed the money that I made on DraftKings and FanDuel kind of as monopoly money. You know, it's it's play money, it's it's fun money. Uh, but then I started realizing, hey, this this fun money could could actually be a thing. So, anyways, took the leap of faith, August 2014. Never looked back. Uh, met a lot of really good people in the industry that were also high volume, high stakes daily fantasy sports players. I myself, and I'm totally fine with admitting this, I'm only good at a few things. I'm really not that talented. I'm only good at MLB and NBA. Those are the only sports that I provide, the only sports that I write content for, the only sports that I provide lineups for. So I realized there's a lot more sports out there than that, obviously. So I had to hire NFL pros and NHL pros and PGA pros and just a lot of people, the MMA pros, people that would focus on sports that they were good at. So I started assembling a team, you know, at that, that first six month stretch, it really was the only income was coming through the site. So then we started building the membership base and the website and Twitter and Instagram and getting the LLC for the company and getting all the business licensing and eh, all of the ducks started kind of lining up in a, in a row. And I guess you could say, Christian, the rest is history. That was four years ago. And honestly, extremely grateful that, that leap of faith paid off. Yeah, man. And there's so many different parallels from your story to mine. And again, for anyone that's followed me for any period of time, they know that I got my start uh, with Sports Gambling Podcast um, and everything with that in the daily fantasy kind of community and realm. That's kind of what brought me to uh, start handicapping games full time. I essentially was, you know, uh, building a model isn't the right term, but the, the stuff that was going into my DFS stuff for NFL, and I was like you, I was only doing uh, NFL DFS at the time. And um, I was able to kind of translate that into the prop market, which led me into um, other sports, sides, totals, and everything like that. And it's, it's so funny, man, because people talk about – one question I always get asked is you know, to people who kind of want to do this uh, either full-time or semi-full-time as a second or a sole source of income is when did you know that you were kind of good enough to do this full-time? 
And that's kind of always, it's, it's the funniest question to me. So I have to ask it to you is when did you kind of know that you were quote unquote good enough to do this full time and kind of leave that steady paycheck? Well, in here, it's a great question because I think that's the question that everybody battles, right? That's the question that anyone that does pursue, we have lots of pros that are on board right now that also do this full time, uh, as well as, as myself. And, and I've had this conversation with a lot of them and, and I'm glad that I'm having this conversation with you again. Now, really what it came down to for me, there's two types of players in the daily fantasy sports industry. I'm sure you're well aware, but I'll explain for the listeners. You have your traditional cash game grinder right? That's what I was. Uh, and that's, I, I guess you could still say that's what I still am. Um, I, I did it for three years and 10 months. Uh, only recently did I kind of change a little bit of my approach, but essentially what a cash game grinder is, is, is you play cash games for 80% of your bankroll on a nightly basis. So if you're betting a thousand dollars, you're playing 800 in head to heads and 50 fifties where the top 50% of the field gets paid out. Essentially what you're doing, it's a lot more secure. It's a lot safer. Uh, your, your floor is a lot higher. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you're just trying to slowly grind out that money. Uh, I started realizing, cause that is what I did. I started realizing very early on while I was working at ESPN, then while I owned the marketing firm, uh, that this was a very successful endeavor. So what I started doing is tracking my success, right? Tracking my success on MLB and NBA, the two seasons leading up to jumping into this full time. I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but the, the season before I got started, the season before I actually started providing to members and to people that were subscribers, uh, I had a 66% win rate in MLB and a 73% win rate in NBA. And for those that are familiar uh, in the sport, if you have anything over a 54.5% win rate uh, in daily fantasy sports playing cash games, you're going to be considered profitable. Some of the best cash game players in the industry win between 54 to 58%. Uh, so I, I thought that that was a large enough sample size where I, I knew that, okay, you know, this is an entire season we're talking about. It's not a week. It's not a month. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I know what I'm doing here. So I think that this is hopefully this will translate into seasons to come. Now I will tell you this. So that was essentially what it took for me. And that's the, the one type of player. And I'll explain the other type of player. Now, uh, a GPP player. So a tournament player, essentially what they do is they take shots, whether they're max entering a tournament, uh, or whether they're just playing in high stakes, single bullet. So a single bullet is just one entry into a larger entry buy-in tournament. Uh, so say a $2,000 tournament, like we played in on Friday, uh, $3,000 tournament we played in two days ago. Essentially what you're doing is, uh, you are, you know, you're spending a lot more money to only gamble on one lineup with a lot of higher stakes and obviously higher stakes tournaments involve larger prize pools. Uh, recently Christian, I decided, and this was literally probably less than two weeks ago. I mean, this is probably like a week and a half ago. I decided that I was going to take my traditional cash game approach. I was going to cover my bets in tournaments. So essentially if I hit in cash games, it would cover my losses in tournaments, uh, and really start kind of raising the stakes in, in tournaments, because this is kind of the thing that this MLB season, uh, I, I started getting really frustrated because the lineups that I was providing, uh, the content that I was producing, I would finish first out of a hundred in a 50, 50, uh, across the board. Say I played, like I said, a thousand dollars in 50 fifties. We were at the very top of every single tournament. But you and only doubled happened. up. 
and I only doubled up. Right. So that's, that's one of those things that, you know, over time it does, you're, you're grateful for the win. Uh, but you're frustrated because you're not really maximizing that ROI, right? So what I started doing is is saying, you know what, this is something that I am going to start aggressively pursuing uh, just so that those big nights, those 1% nights or those 0.5% nights, we don't miss out on, you know, and, and we, the family. So when I'm saying we, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, and frankly, I, I'm grateful that I did because four days after I took this leap of faith, uh, we had that $75,000 night in the $2,000 tournament last Friday. So this is something that I've already obviously talked about with the wife and in a different approach, uh, that is more aggressive, obviously. And in the cash game grind paid the bills for four years, you know? So that's something that uh, I'm again, not going to give up and go away from, but I, I think that this, this new approach, while you are going to see a lot more ups and downs, it, it does lead to a much, much higher ceiling, uh, over the course of these seasons. So I guess that was the long answer. And, and I guess the short answer would be uh, once I started kind of tracking my win rates and realizing that this should translate to to me being able to be successful at doing this full time. Exactly, man. And there's so much to pull back with what you just said. There's so many parallels, and this is what I want to get into, break into next, is there's so many parallels to uh, really with professional poker players out here in Las Vegas, which is the cash game grinds, the guys that head to the Bellagio at 11 a.m. They make their eight to $1,000, maybe it's $500, whatever they set as their quarter for the day. They grind it out on Taurus, and they can be out of there four or five hours, and they're they're good. That's that's the Joey Kinniches of the world, if you're familiar with rounders, right? Sure. And those guys make a, I have a ton of guy, a ton of friends out here. Uh, and that's all they do is they sit there, they grind out a little, no limit. Um, and, and they're very happy with their life. They never, you know, really get too high, get too low. And I know a lot of guys that are similar style with sports betting. Um, they, instead of taking those, you know, huge shots, they, I, again, some of the best guys I know out here bet two to $300 a game. They bet two or three games. They take their, you know, in theory as a, as a professional sports better, this is what people don't realize. If you can clear a thousand dollars a week, whatever yeah. the case may be, you're going to make $52,000 a year. Now, even if that is your sole source of income, especially in a place like Las Vegas, where it is so incredibly cheap to live out here, the cost of living uh, off strip in the housing market, because nobody actually really lives here is so incredibly cheap. That's a very good living. Now there's a ton of different ways that you can do that. You can bet, you know, quote unquote, $500 for a, a quote unit. You can bet a thousand. So if you go up, if you go two and oh, you win a thousand dollars at 500 a game, you're done for the week. Uh, you can kind of stop yourself. I know guys that kind of have that discipline. Um, and again, that's, that's a very hard thing to do. And I know guys that have the exact opposite. So there's so many different parallels between kind of professional poker playing DFS and professional gambling. But that's what I kind of want to, again, talk about with you now is the differences between professional daily fantasy and professional gambling uh, because there's there's so many different parallels and it's so, so incredibly interesting to me. Um, what kind of led you to, uh, again, obviously this is, I mean, a game of luck, game of skill, call it what you want with uh, fantasy and how wherever you're kind of side of the fence that you lie on that, but what pushed you towards kind of DFS instead of getting into uh, sports gambling handicapping, aside from it obviously being legal, um, did that kind of factor into your decision or what kind of made you go down this avenue instead of that? one. Yeah, I love love this question because that was something that I considered. One obviously was the legality and, and the immediacy, right? I, I obviously you can bet on overseas sites and that's there's no issue where I could have moved out to Vegas. But for what was going on in my life at the current time, obviously having multiple different jobs 
with marketing and with the television stations. Uh, it wasn't as feasible for me to just pick up and move until I made that leap of faith, right? So I could, essentially what I'm trying to say is I could still play daily fantasy sports wherever I was at, whether that be in Bristol, whether that be in Lubbock, whether that be in Colorado, whatever the case may be, I could still take out money playing daily fantasy sports uh, and do so comfortably. I, I Sure, I probably could have done that uh, the other way too, but that wasn't the number one reason. That that was a reason. The number one reason was I actually enjoyed the aspect, the component, and I think that this is going to go to a, a later conversation that we're going to have uh, about how the Supreme Court ruling that just recently was passed is going to affect things from a DFS front. And one of my strongest arguments, and something that we will touch on later on in this conversation, uh, is the fact that. Daily fantasy sports players and the guys that, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant when I say this, but the guys that are in the same class as me, the guys that do play at the same level as me and the guys that that are as high a volume as I am, uh, we love what DFS is. It's nothing taking away from traditional sports betting. We love that too. Uh, but we love this more because essentially your rooting interest is completely different. You're not rooting for a team to win. You're rooting for a player to win. You're, you're tracking this player. You're getting, I think that there's a different, completely different component uh, to daily fantasy sports because essentially you're, you're, you're taking that game and you're putting a magnifying glass on that game and analyzing that one player, right? So that's something that I think personally I found a lot of interest in. Initially coming into this, obviously covered sports for a living uh, and just kind of took my knowledge. And it wasn't just from my professional experience, but from my personal experience, started trying to find trends, starting to find different ways to research those individual players. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that goes into both traditional sports betting and sports gambling and, and also daily fantasy sports. Uh, so you have to, to really, I guess, dive a little bit deeper and know what you're looking at in both industries. Uh, but for me, it was just the fun of watching and, and you know, the, the completely different aspect because this was relatively new. I mean, this is daily fantasy sports has been around for less than 10 years. Oh, so yeah. you're, you're talking about something that is, it was fresh and it was fresh for me. Uh, and, and I, I really did enjoy it. So I guess the answer to your question is, it was just a complete different level of research, engagement, mm -hmm. and rooting interest. So for me, it was just a really exciting component. Yeah, and so uh, again, going back and forth here, the easiest or the the most obvious parallel here to sports betting in the DFS is going to be player props, player projections, all that stuff. Uh, so again, when I was only playing DFS and not really uh, betting that much, my uh, the parallel that I made, the first thing that I jumped from was NFL props, player props. I only bet those. Um, was there? Have you ever kind of started to? Because there's a there's a real way to hedge your bets when you do both of these, when you combine both of these, right? So Absolutely. say for you know a UFC card for example, if you're betting uh, two to three favorites, um, at, you know whatever a little bit of juice minus one eighty minus two twenty whatever the case may be, uh, you can put those four underdogs in a GPP DraftKings lineup, and if you go sure. all for four on your bets, chances are even if you played it in a cash game or a GPP, you're going to do very well and, and potentially make even more than you wagered. Have you ever thought about kind of breaking into the prop market, or is it one of those things? Because when I've asked this question to some DFS players that I know before, the the thing that they always said was. There's no cap on what you can win in DFS. And what I mean by that is, say, um, I don't know, Adam Thielen's uh, 
uh, prop yardage is 82 yard and a half yeah. yards for the week, right? Yeah. Well, even if yeah. he gets 70 yards, you can still win in DFS, but if he gets 70 yards on that prop, you're going to lose. So that was kind of the thing that they didn't want to put a number on what would make them win or lose. Was that kind of a thought process or have you kind of explored uh, going into the prop market uh, in whatever sport it is, baseball, football, whatever the case may be? So a lot of different ways to to tackle this question. And, and really, I think that, you know, using that same example that you just used with Thielen uh, and talking about also how it relates to the daily fantasy sports industry, you say, say that you have that, you know, 90 yard prop bet uh, and he falls short. Yes. You're, you're obviously losing that bet and you would get something from daily fantasy sports. If you were playing, you know, that weekend in the NFL, uh, you would probably not be sunk with a 70 yard uh, performance. So I think it does a little bit raise the floor there for your your bankroll and for your investment. It also provides you, and, and this is my opinion personally, using that same example, say he has three touchdowns and 200 yards receiving, right? Say he has the best weekend that he's going to have for the entire season. Uh, your ceiling now, if you hit the prop bet, you're, you're only going to you know, hit that bet, right? It's, it's a simple yes or no. If he hits that you're, you're limited there, right? So if he goes off in daily fantasy sports, the, the more that he goes off, the more yards that he racks up, the more touchdowns that he grabs, your ceiling increases that much more, uh, playing daily fantasy sports. So that was a huge perk for me. Now to your question about, do I, do I think that there's any, I guess, interest, uh, in me doing that. I, of course I use prop bets. I use Vegas lines. I use totals. I use over unders. Uh, I, I use everything that you guys bet on every single day in my research. Uh, we've actually had the luxury of having you on one of our Roto radar podcasts. And, and I know that you've also been able to kind of see a little bit behind the scenes, how my thought process specifically, uh, plays out regarding a, a typical MLB slate or an MLB night. These are things, Christian, that that I have to look at. And I think that, again, you can't buy into one thing and one thing only. You have to take a little bit of everything and then put it all together and see what checks the most boxes in DFS. But certainly a lot of those boxes that I do use to get checked come from Vegas lines and Vegas prop bets. Of course. And again, when you when you talk about uh, the fantasy community, especially season long or whatever type of, of league you're playing in, be it low stakes, office leagues, work leagues, uh, school leagues, whatever. Uh, the first thing that any any person is, you know, when you're gambling, you're taught to fade the public. Number one. Number two is, you know, for totals in football or, or whatever, look at totals. Right. So look at if the, whatever the ty- highest total on the board is, you probably want some exposure and, and everything like that. So that obviously goes hand in hand. And again, that's why I, I'm so happy to have you on, because there's so many different parallels here, yet there's so many, so many differences. Um, But one thing I've noticed in in kind of uh, the DFS community versus the gambling community is that DFS players do not really want this to be looked at as sports betting. Uh, they believe it is a hundred percent game of skill and whether you believe that sports betting is lucky or skill, uh, what kind of, uh, what side of the fence do you fall on in that? And do you think it is kind of a negative for the DFS community to be looked at as quote unquote gamblers, the way that, uh, sports bettors are? I don't think it, I mean, at this point, the negative connotation in the cloud that's hovering over sports gambling as a whole in both of the worlds that we live in, I think that cloud's starting to kind of dissipate. Uh, and that makes me feel good. I'm sure it makes you feel good just because, you know, there's family, there's friends, you know, there's people out there that is still always to this day, four years ago, I started pursuing this full time. And obviously, you know, maybe to the general public and to specific friends and family members, who knows, maybe I'm going to get in trouble for saying this because they <laughs> might listen to this later, but you know, they, they might 
put their nose up a little bit. They might yeah. frown upon the fact that, you know, oh, Sean, you know, you had this awesome job at ESPN and now you're betting on sports for a living. You know, so that that kind of thought process, I think, is going to start changing uh, because of the Supreme Court ruling. So I think that that's, you know, a, a really obviously it's a good thing uh, over the course of time. And, and to your point, I think that you're going to start seeing less people thinking like that. And I think that, you know, that this game of skill is going to start becoming more of a thing where this this negative impression of sports gamblers as a whole is going to start going away. I will say this. I get asked this question all the time. If you followed me on Twitter, if you followed the company on Twitter, uh, if you've Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case may be, if you've seen anything Roto Radar over the last four years, you've probably seen us use the term good skill. Uh, and the hashtag good skill. This is something that I came up with literally probably week one of taking this leap of faith. Uh, and it, it kind of plays into exactly what we're talking about now. And I get asked all the time, what does that mean? Why does every member that shouts you out on Twitter use good skill? Why do every time that you win any amount of money, you use that hashtag in your post? Essentially, it's it, this is the easiest way to say it. What do you say to somebody when they're about to, I mean, say Christian, you put $2,000 on, I don't know, uh, what's a good example tonight, the San Francisco Giants to win plus 140. Uh, if you were to put that money on that game, what would I tell you? I would say good luck, right? The traditional people would say good luck. I, I spun that adapting the same mindset that the rest of the industry kind of had already adapted without saying it and said, listen, this isn't a game of luck. Right. With with signing up with us at Rotor Radar, it's not a game of luck anymore. This is good skill. So good skill tonight, uh, which is why we approach that. And, and it's not essentially that is the the play on words that I wanted to use when adapting this company wide hashtag uh, is this in what we do in the world that we live in. We are providing good skill, not good luck. So uh, I guess a little bit of insight into why we say what we say and and why you see that hashtag all over the branding that we brand. Uh, That is is where the term good skill came from. Exactly. And this is just, just, just like poker. Again, not to go back to rounders, but when Matt Damon says, um, this is a game of skill, it's not luck. Why are the same 10 people in the World Series of Poker at the final table every single year? Are they the luckiest people in the world? Um, And so to me, fantasy is the exact same thing. Yes. Is there an element of luck? There's an element of luck in everything we do, be it sports betting, season long, or daily fantasy. Um, But at the end of the day, it has, there is a ton more uh, skill than luck. Of course there is. Um, but the, that parallel is the most striking to me is, you know, why are there successful daily fantasy sports players? Um, are you going to call sit there and only call them lucky? And they are very poor fan- daily fantasy players. You're going to call it, just sit there and call them unlucky and blinding or blind. And it's just, uh, to me, that it makes absolutely no sense. I never really understood that argument because it's been made and disproved within the poker community for so long. Um, and one more thing I do want to talk about before we start breaking into uh, legalization, everything um, that's going on with Roto Radar. Was there ever an element, because this is another thing that kind of uh, was, you know, uh, a taboo in the industry, if you will. Uh, The online poker industry and what happened with Black Friday, uh, was that ever kind of, did that thought ever cross your mind of, oh my God, what if something happened with this? Of course. If it was banned or or anything like that? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you have to. Yeah, you, you had to be prepared. You had to to think that this could be an issue, and obviously, with the legalization, I think that 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 worry and that you know constant thought that could not get removed from the back of my mind uh, can get taken away to an extent. I still think that there's a risk, but it's going to take a lot more for this stuff to go away. Uh, a lot more than it did just a month ago uh, before the Supreme Court ruling came out. So I, yeah, of course, that's something that was always in the back of my mind. And I think that moving forward, you're really not going to have that scare anymore. And I, I think that it does create a lot more security for for not just Roto Radar, but for the entire daily fantasy sports industry. Uh, sites like DraftKings, sites like FanDuel. I mean, there was a point where these sites were going to merge because legalization was kind of ramping up and, and you saw a lot of different states aggressively pursuing them. And there were court fees and, and things through the roof where there was a legitimate scare there in 2016 uh, two years after we pursued this full time where certain states were saying, OK, this is no longer allowed in our state. There was a point in time, Christian, where we had uh, I want to say there was 43. It might have been 42, but 43 active members from New York that had signed up for a season long pass. Our season long passes are not expensive. It was a thousand dollars for our season pass for the NFL season. Uh, this, this court or this, uh, ruling came out saying that now all of a sudden New York residents could not play daily fantasy sports. Uh, luckily, thankfully that ruling and decision got overturned relatively quickly within six months. But at that time there were 43 paying members paying a thousand dollars for $43,000 that we had to refund mm -hmm. that we had to pay back out of pocket. Uh, and that, that just shows, I mean, essentially the volatility that we did have to deal with. And that's why those friends and family that I alluded to earlier in the conversation felt the way that they did is because this is something that we had to deal with. This is something that, you know, the world that we were necessarily living in. So yeah, of course, that was something that was always a thought. Uh, thankfully it didn't happen and it didn't happen that way. And I think, you know, to, to the state's points, to the Congress's points, to the Supreme Court's points, you know, and the reason why all this became legal, it is because it's a game of skill. You can clearly, I mean, here, let me come to you with this. You're the you're the professional also gambler as well. Uh, you've been doing this full time for a long time. This was always my thought process. Why can in Texas you go participate in the lottery, literally, or go buy a scratch off, and yet playing daily fantasy sports and betting on individual players isn't legal. Well, what is the difference there? I, I, I think that that was one of the largest disconnects for me is why is X legal and why illegal? Right? Exactly. And it's so funny that you say that because again, I've told this story so many times and, and I'm sorry for anyone listeners that's, that's going to sit there and hear it again. But when I moved to Nevada to move to Las Vegas to gamble full time, I did not know that daily fantasy was not legal. Uh, so I, again, I, I lost such a huge income stream that, uh, I mean, it really forced me. I was always going to, um, my, my goal was to gamble full time, but I was always going to be very kind of active within daily fantasy and that, and again, that's how I got my start. That was my bread and butter. There were so many things that correlated. Um, and so I can't answer Texas for you, but the reason for Las Vegas and Nevada is very, very simple. They decided that it was, uh, it was gambling. And because it was gambling, they you needed a Nevada gaming 
commission. Obviously, that's not going to happen. There's not going to be a gaming commission uh, that's going to come in and regulate Daily Fantasy, FanDuel, DraftKings. Uh, so they decided to ban it. And, and for lack of a better term, I mean, this is it, this is just the truth. It's this is the situation because casinos in Nevada couldn't make money off of it the way that they make money off sports gambling. They decided to ban it. it it's, it's that simple. Casinos could not get a piece of that pie. Uh, and with what they offer, it really wasn't. I mean, nobody was going to leave Nevada where sports gambling at the time was the only place that it was legal to move somewhere else uh, to do daily fantasy. It just it wasn't feasible, right? So right. what uh, – I don't know if you're familiar with this, but what Las Vegas casinos have – is they have basically they have daily fantasy they do for NFL Sundays every single week but what they do is it's set up like a horse racing so what they have is they have odds for say highest scoring highest fantasy scoring quarterback right so you'll have Matt Ryan four to one Ben Roethlisberger right. six to one Tom Brady uh, four to one right so what you can do is you can essentially box them you can do tries you can do um, like exotic bets so you can say you can essentially box Matt. Ryan, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger to be one, two, three in any order. And based on those odds, that would pay out, you know, 15, 14, 15 to one. Uh, and that's how they kind of do it. Now you can also do straight bets. And obviously, obviously you have the uh, old fashioned prop market within Las Vegas. So there's different ways to do it, but that's kind of the situation in Nevada and why it wasn't legalized here. Um, but I agree. Um, I, Again, the Nevada one is different because there was sports gambling and it was so obvious and yeah. they weren't very shy about that. Um, why do you think um, there's different? There's a couple states that just have not come around and don't see this the way the rest of the world does. And that's a good segue into legalization, which we'll get into next. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, that, and that's really the issue. It's it's state by state. It's case by case. And uh, Ken Paxton, the AG there in uh, in Texas, his his stance and his whole case really kind of got dissipated and it, it really exploded in his face because he, this entire time. So over the last two years, we've been waiting on this Supreme court ruling, right? This is something that has been lingering. Uh, it's something that I've been paying attention to. I'm sure it's something that you've been paying attention to too. Uh, and his whole case for keeping FanDuel outside of the state lines there in Texas was, well, the Supreme court's, you know, fixing to rule in favor of not having uh, daily fantasy sports be legal anymore. Obviously that kind of blew up in his face. Right. Right. So I think that in retrospect, looking back and, and looking ahead, uh, I think that you're going to start seeing states, even like Texas, as conservative as Texas is. And we always make the joke, my wife and I, we're both from Texas. We're both considering buying a house here in the next six months to nine months in Texas. Uh, we'd always made the joke that they're going to be, you know, years and years and years behind uh, the rest of the country whenever it comes to legalizing everything, including daily fantasy sports. Uh, but I think that you really start seeing, I mean, what's, what's his case now? Right. What well, what can you say? The Supreme Court has just ruled and deemed uh, professional betting, professional gambling, sports gambling legal. I mean, there is literally not a case for Ken Paxson to stand on now. So I think that even in states like Texas, you're going to start seeing a lot more legality from all sports betting fronts. Absolutely, man. Um, all right. So I want to talk about legalization, everything that's that, what that's going to mean for uh, Roto Raider and everything like that. Before we do, uh, the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas podcast. Use promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks and 
picks and trends from their supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as trends that you cannot find anywhere else. And lastly, we are brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only app that puts all the knowledge you need to make smart bets in the palm of your hand. Log on to betql.co where users can download the free Apple or Android app today. So legalization, man, let's, let's dive into this kind of full throttle, uh, and what this means for the daily fantasy community. Now, obviously this is, uh, with Delaware kind of beating everywhere, everyone to the punch, uh, especially New Jersey, which was kind of a shock. Uh, Mississippi looks like they may be next sometime, uh, in mid June. Uh, but what does, obviously we touched on kind of the states that don't allow it. Will they, won't they? Uh, but what does this mean from kind of a, a market perspective? How will this affect the DFS community or will it at all? Yeah, I, I definitely think that it will on on a multitude of fronts. You have so let's weigh the pros and cons. Let's talk about kind of the negative connotation around this topic and why some people, including Sports Illustrated, came out and said the winners and losers. And right there on the top of the list for the losers was the daily fantasy sports industry. Listen, I, I respect Sports Illustrated. I respect the journalist over there. I know some of them. I've worked with some of them prior, uh, and frankly, I think that they couldn't be more wrong. I think that the DFS industry, and I think that this is the largest takeaway, and I, I kind of teased it a little bit off the first part of the show, the number one beneficiary, the number one thing that will help daily fantasy sports coming from this ruling is the locker room feel. It is the friends and family component. It is the trust factor in sports betting. It is now the reputation of sports betting. That is, in my opinion, in my mind, at the very top of the list. Because again, it's not just my family. It's not just my friends. How many people are out there that say, yeah, God, I see all these screenshots, man. Like, let's just use me for an example. I follow Sean on Twitter. I've seen him win thousands and, you know, 10,000 a night, but I, I just, something just doesn't feel right about doing this. Like, I, I don't know. Is it legal? Is it not legal? Should I do it? Should I not do it? I think for the people that were on the fence or for even the people that had any thought in their mind of, Hey, should I play daily fantasy sports? Now all of a sudden you're going to see those players in the pools. You're going to see those players in the player pools. You're going to see more fish in the industry, more fish, same world you live in more fish, more profit, right? So that I think that this is something that is going to be a huge positive. We see it. Let's just use sample size from sport to sport. Why is NFL the easiest? And it's very well documented. The easiest sports cash in in daily fantasy sports. There's, there's one so reason much more demand for, and there's so much more fish players. Exactly. So people that work a nine to five and work Monday through Friday, they have off on the weekends, right? People that obviously might not be as on top of the NBA, which is a daily grind. And it takes a lot of research to stay on top of that. People that aren't as on top of the MLB, it's a daily grind. It takes a lot of research. It's really easy to be an NFL fan, right? It's easy to have your one team to root for on the weekend, uh, which is why you see just thousands. I mean, we're talking not even thousands. We're not talking tens of thousands of players that have never played on DraftKings, never played on FanDuel, jump in these huge contests that they see a hundred thousand or even a $500,000 payday for the first place prize. And you might have a saturated contest with 10 to 15% of the player pool that have never played before. NFL is, is free money. So I get, again, just comparing sport to sport and bet to bet. If you have a 70% win percentage in MLB and NBA, it's unheard of. 
It's it's doesn't happen in the industry. If you have a 70% win percentage in NFL and cash games, you're considered below average. So, I mean, <laughs> to think about that and to put that number into perspective, there are pros out there that win between 85 and 95% in NFL and cash games. That is just stupid. That's, I mean, if you think about that number, it's ridiculous. So bringing that back full circle to the original question, the more trust, the more comfort, the more legitimacy that there is towards this industry, I think the better. So for number one on my list of pros and good things that are going to happen for DFS and what happened in correlation with the Supreme Court ruling, that's at the very top of my list, Christian. Exactly. And again, man, it's so funny, the different parallels and kind of the, you know, with legalization and what it will do. And you know, uh, I, I, what I kind of do want to talk about is the integrity fee of the NBA and all that stuff and maybe what that would mean because, again, I thought this was the most ass-backwards, absolute dumbest thing I had ever heard because no matter what, if a league wants or does not want sport or betting on their sport, it doesn't matter. Roger Goodell can sit there and say, I am so opposed to sports gambling. I hate it. I don't want it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What do you, you, you can't boycott it. What are you going to do? Right. And so, you know, when Adam, or, uh, Adam Silver came out and said that, it just, it, it was the last ditch effort to try to get a piece of the pie, right? The same way that the NFL has a controlling investment, if you will, uh, in DraftKings, in FanDuel. It, 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 like, they don't see, they, number one, it's ignorant for anybody to think that these things aren't already happening, being uh, gambling, right? Uh, offshore is a multi-billion dollar industry. And so to take that from the shadows and into the light, it you know what I mean? It, it's only going to help that. And obviously, viewership is going to go up. If you thought that people were watching the Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns on a Thursday night uh, outside of fantasy players and gamblers, I mean, outside of those two fan bases, you're just wrong if you think that people just enjoy bad football, right? So obviously, with increased eyes, which means new sponsorships, which means new TV deals. That's how kind of the leagues are going to, I think, uh, benefit from the legalization efforts. It's just if they can kind of get out of their own way, right? Um, but I mean, so the next thing I want to talk about is kind of what that would mean for the media industries and specifically, obviously, what that means for radar, uh, Roto Radar in, in kind of your area. Um, but what I think is interesting, what could happen is the same way with the fantasy boom, with the DFS boom, you had, you know, it used to be maybe there was a fantasy analyst on there who got maybe five minutes at the end of a broadcast. Well, when this stuff started blowing up, now you have literal fantasy shows, you have fantasy networks, you have, a, it, yeah. you know, there's more fantasy coverage than quote-unquote X's and O's game coverage. Um, so obviously the, the DFS world has kind of got, they've already seen that boom and seen what that looks like from a media perspective. Now, what you could have happened now is you could have, it'll probably start small, but you could have, you know, a handicapper on there talking odds the same way that if you watch a Triple Crown event, you know, 40 to 50% of that show is built around handicapping. They have handicappers on there picking horses, picking their, ex their exotics. Um, and every time you see a horse, it's accompanied by with what the morning line odds are, where the odds have gone and stuff like that. Um, 
so I think that there is, you know, a real opportunity, you know, uh, sports gambling in the DFS has always been kind of in the shadows of podcasts. And when I say shadows, uh, what I, I mean, there is still people making a great living creating content in the podcast community and the written community, uh, just based on sports gambling and the daily fantasy stuff. What do you see as kind of a media outlet? How will anything be affected, um, again, from the DFS side or the sports gambling side from what could happen with increased kind of, uh, media coverage if for lack of a better term. I'll say this, and I don't want to give away too much because I have had some side conversations with former colleagues that have reached out uh, regarding not only the Supreme Court ruling, but uh, potential partnerships and potential collaboration uh, with Roto Radar and, and with them uh, because now all of a sudden, again, this stigma has changed, right? Uh, I think that just kind of going back to your point, this is a good thing and not a bad thing. I think that you're going to start seeing more media conglomerates. You're going to start seeing the ESPNs and the ABCs and the Fox sports. You're going to start seeing these guys pick up, uh, the top ranked daily fantasy sports pros. You're going to start seeing them pick up the professional handicappers. You're going to start seeing, I think a lot more involvement, uh, not just online, but you're going to start seeing it a lot more on all of these shows. So I think that this is going to be a good thing. I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. And your original point about the integrity fees, I think it's interesting that you brought this up because I was reading an article last week uh, on this specific topic. Time is running out. So let's just say that time's running out for them to adapt this uh, because it's obviously with the Supreme Court ruling, things have changed, you know, and, and this is something that. I don't think is going to be, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to pass, but for those that aren't familiar with how the integrity fees work, essentially what they do is they just take 1% of whatever the taxes are on that sports bet. So on their percentage of everything that incurs. So in, in other words, if there was a $200 billion involved, they would get 2 billion. Right. I think that this is something that you are probably not going to see uh, moving forward. And I would be surprised if if the NBA, the MLB, the NFL uh, were able to get everything passed regarding the integrity fees after this Supreme Court ruling. Uh, so to that point, I, I just don't think that that's something that you're going to see long. I mean, looking you know way in advance, I think you're going to see less of that. Uh, and really kind of short term, you might see some of it specifically with the NBA that you just mentioned, because I know that, uh, this year alone in Indiana, this, this is something that had gotten brought up. I think leagues first pr proposed these fees in, in Indiana, uh, this year. So that's something that obviously we'll be keeping a close eye on, but as far as impact on Roto radar and impact on us regarding the integrity fees, I don't think it means much. Uh, and regarding the involvement in media and mainstream media for uh, for not just us, but also for, you know, you and, and for professional handicappers, I think that there's a, a lot of possibilities and a lot of different routes uh, that these companies could go. And, and just again, not to give away too much, but keep an eye out next year, next two years. There's a lot of different things in the pipeline uh, for Rotor Radar and some stuff that we're going to be doing with some of these companies that you had mentioned. Absolutely, man. And so uh, let's let's kind of talk about that. Let's talk about uh, the company that you've built from the ground up. Uh, let's talk about Roto Radar because obviously, um, sports gambling podcast. Obviously, we do uh, a weekly daily fantasy podcast that I've been on for God now three four years, whatever it is. Um, sure. 
and it's one of the, one of my favorite things to do because it always just takes me back to kind of where I started and, and I absolutely love it. And it's great for my handicapping and to kind of exercise the other part of, of the gambling brain, if you will. Uh, but so again, everybody, I don't say everybody, but selling picks is a very real thing uh, on social media, online and everything yeah. like that. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There is a ton of bad people and there's no other way to say it. There are yeah. a lot of scams in this industry, which is a real shame because when it's done right, touting and buying picks can be a win-win situation for everybody. And I know uh, what I'm going to get is that I, I sell picks and, and I'm trying to do this and that. And again, I've always, always, always tried to keep these two worlds separate. I never wanted to blend them because I never wanted someone to say that I was kind of using this to further that career or whatever it is. Um, and the difference is to me, again, I've had so many people on here that do in fact sell picks uh, with gambling. Um, and what makes somebody, you know, quote unquote good to me is they're selling you what they are physically betting that day. 100%. They are not 100%. just giving you a quote unquote client card and saying, here's what I like today. Go bet it. If somebody isn't betting that physically themselves, I don't think, you know, would you put your money in a, with a financial advisor knowing that he wasn't invested in that stock? And, and I'm sure that does happen every single day, but wouldn't it make you yeah. more comfortable to know that that's exactly what the case is? Um, so that is, you know, touting and uh, buying picks and selling picks is so, so huge right now. Um, right. It's been huge forever. And so people may not know um, that what is being offered and kind of how uh, people, you know, buy or what they essentially get um, with a subscription to a company like Radar, who, which is essentially a tout service selling quote unquote yeah. picks or lineups uh, for fantasy. Uh, so right. I guess, um, you know, if there's any negative stigma out there, I want you to kind of dispel it. And again, not, not there is too, yeah, uh, too in-depth of, of Roto uh, Radar specifically, but just kind of as a philos uh, philosophical thing, what that kind of means and what it is that Roto Radar does. God, this is such a good conversation to be having. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm surprised that you brought it up, but I'm glad that you did. Uh, this is, this is our company in a nutshell. So I'm going to walk you through a couple of different scenarios and a couple of different situations that we've dealt with. You have different demographics that you deal with in every industry. That's something that, you know, I had to learn how to focus on and, and pinpoint in marketing specifically, you deal with totally different crowds in the daily fantasy sports world than I've ever dealt with, than I've ever dealt with in TV, than I ever dealt with in marketing, than I ever dealt with at any professional level. I mean, I bartended, I did all kinds of different stuff through college. Uh, but frankly, the DFS industry is unlike any that I had ever seen because you have so many different types of trolls. Okay, so I want to I want to really focus on that word. It sounds so unprofessional coming from the CEO of a company talking about <laughs> trolls, but I want to focus on that word. Okay, right? You have so many different types of trolls. You have the trolls in this industry that are college kids, that are high school kids, that are gambling and providing content and picks and lineups and articles and whatever the case may be from their parents' basement or from their college dorm room. You have that demographic that is aggressive towards professional companies on Twitter because they feel like, and they were grown up and I guess taught and educated in their upcoming and in their upbringing, they were taught that it's good to be little others to better themselves. Okay, so you have that one type of troll. You have another type of troll that is the high volume troll. Okay, this is something that I probably haven't talked about enough publicly, uh, but you have the high volume 
the high stakes guys, the guys that are investing as much as I am on a nightly basis that feel threatened because now all of a sudden somebody, and again, I'm not trying to be arrogant by saying this, but somebody that knows what they're doing, somebody that researches 10 hours documented every single day into their lineups, they're providing their lineups and their content to other members. So now all of a sudden, what does that do for their player pools? What does that do for their prize pools? What does that do for their competition on a daily basis? It, it is increasing the odds for our members, right? Which is by default, decreasing the odds for these higher stakes pros, decreasing the odds for the guys that are higher volume players, because now all of a sudden there are less fish in that prize pool, kind of going full circle to something that we talked about earlier. So we're educating the general public, which, which really infuriates some of the high stakes players. So now all of a sudden you have the high stakes trolls that do everything in their power to troll and to take shots and to bring down the company that's providing the content, making the average Joe sharper in their bets. Right. So you have that type of troll, too. And then you have the trolls that want to do what you're doing and want to provide content and want to provide, you know, whatever you're doing and, and want to steal. So you have the thieves. You have the guys that want to take everything that you're working on during that 10 hours every day and provide it as their own content. So we call them the plagiarism trolls. Right. You have a lot of different types of trolls in this industry. So I guess I wanted to, to lay that out. You have, you know, the, the kids that are kids, you have the guys that want to steal to try to take your content and sell it as their own. And then you have the high volume and high stakes guys that don't want more competition in their player pool. Right. And that is the reason that there is, man, I, Christian, I could not begin to tell you how many sleepless nights I can't begin to tell you how many conversations I've had with my wife whenever we first started this company and just telling her and, and looking at her straight in the eyes and saying, if this is what this industry is going to be like, I don't know how long. I don't know how long I can take it, right? But really, this is what separated Roto Radar from the rest of the field. And I made a clear purpose. I made a clear agenda, so to say, coming into this industry. And I said to myself, I want to make sure that we are different I want to make sure that Roto Radar is not a kid selling lineups out of his basement. I want to make sure that we are not what everybody, the stigma that comes around, quote unquote, lineup providers is. I want to make sure we get an LLC. I want to make sure we get business license, licensing. I want to make sure we have highly ranked pros in the industry that are very highly regarded, that have been to live finals before. I want to make sure that we are doing everything that everybody says that we're not. I want to make sure that, that we are different. So if, if people want to attack other companies, that's totally fine, but they're not attacking us because we are not them, if that makes sense. So essentially that is how we built the foundation of Roto Radar. How we built the company is making sure we did it legitimately, making sure we built a very strong team so that these trolls and so that these people, yeah, they're, they're going to, there's chatter. I mean, there's probably still chatter every single day, whatever the case may be, there's always going to be chatter. But as long as we are doing the right thing and the right approach, then we had nothing to worry about. And so now let's talk about lineup providers. Let's talk about that word. Let's talk about that term. Uh, that stigma is another stigma, just like the sports sports gambling as a whole that we talked about earlier. Lineup providers were frowned upon by everyone in the industry whenever we walked into it four years ago because whatever everything that I had just talked about with you, Christian, uh, these people that were selling lineups were not legitimate. These guys had no reputability. These guys 
to your point, they weren't even playing the picks that they were providing to other points. They weren't highly ranked. They might be betting a dollar or five dollars, ten dollars, fifty dollars a day. Nothing against people that bet that amount, but there was not a lot of reputability. They weren't betting a thousand dollars a day. They weren't betting fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars a day. So, I mean, these guys weren't successful daily fantasy sports players, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so that's, that's number one. Number two, this stigma of only being a quote unquote lineup provider in, in here, just to kind of clear the air, because I think that this is a good conversation. I get asked this a lot of times too. Why do you provide lineups? Why is that something that you do? The number <laughs> yep. one I'm about one to interrupt reason. you, but that's what everybody says. If you're so good at this, why don't you just bet more instead of uh, selling your picks and lineups? And the truth and the 100% and every member that's been with me for the last four years will know that I stand by this 100%. The reason that I do this and the reason that I sell my exact lineup that I'm playing on FanDuel and Fantasy Draft. Why I sell exactly what I'm playing is because I truly, and I mean this with every ounce of my heart, I enjoy nothing more than seeing other members benefit from my research. And again, nothing against, there's some other great sites out there. There's some other great daily fantasy sports sites. I'm not going to name them here. I'm not going to tout other people, but there's some other sites out there that provide articles and content and, and have very highly ranked pros. But the difference between us and them they're giving you an article with, let's say, 100 people that they like. Maybe maybe not 100. Maybe that's an exaggeration. 50 players that they like for the slate. As you, you know, because you've been on podcasts with us, Christian, how clear are we about our approach? We're very straightforward, right? It's we not tell just people, the who, it's the why. Exactly. And we explain exactly why, right? So that is, in my opinion, what makes us very different from a lot of our competition. And, and why, again, we do what we do. I don't want to paint a vague picture. I, I don't want to say, here's an article with 50 guys, you figure it out, you know, or here's a podcast where we talk about every single player that is in a good spot on the entire slate and just say that everybody's in a good spot and not say that we're worried or concerned or think that somebody's a bad play. I'll tell you if they're a bad play, right? So that's, I think, the difference between us and them, so to say. Uh, and to that point, and again, back to providing lineups, because that's a, a good thing for us to clear the air here about, there are people, believe it or not, there are lawyers, there are doctors, there are people that are blue collar. There are people that work very hard at their day job. And believe it or not, for those high volume trolls that I know are going to be listening to this show, they don't have time to do 10 hours of research during the day that it takes to build successful lineups. They don't have an hour to step out of their office, but you know what they want to do? They want to come home. They want to jump on their app. They want to have a rooting interest in their lineup. They want to trust somebody that does this full time to do the research for them, right? So they want to treat daily fantasy sports like an investment. They want to. And believe it or not, that is something that I knew coming into this. What's the best way from a marketing standpoint? I have a marketing degree. This is something that I was uh, very familiar with coming into this entire endeavor at Rotor Radar. What is something that you want to do to weed out the bad demographic? You cater to the good demographic, right? So what did I do coming into this? I didn't want the guys that were going to be fly-by-night guys. I didn't want the guys that were going to want, hey, sell me a lineup for five bucks for tonight's slate. So <laughs> we, what, we, 
Yeah. So what do we do? We, we eliminated daily memberships. We only allow weekly, monthly and season long pass. We didn't want the guys that are, again, if you're listening and you bet $5 a night, I am not taking a shot at you. I'm just talking about the demographic that our company was trying to target. I didn't want the guys that were betting $5 a night. I wanted the lawyers. I wanted the doctors. I wanted the guys that had the substantial volume and the substantial bankroll to be able to see progress. Because if you guys, if you are trying to make a living playing $5 a night in DFS, it's, I am sorry to be the first people to break the first person to break this to you. It's not a reality. It's not going to happen. So I wanted to cater to the higher volume guys. So naturally by doing that, that is a demographic by our business model and by the way that we shaped this company, uh, in, a, in providing lineups. That's, that's who we're catering to by providing lineups. We're not catering to that smaller demographic. There's a reason our price points are the highest in the industry because I want to cater to the people that are serious about this. Uh, so that is something that obviously we do. And, and now let's talk about, we, we kind of buried the lead here, Christian. We do provide articles. We do provide a daily podcast. We do provide coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do have a member only chat room. We have all this stuff that say you are a college student. Say you do have all the time in the world to, to read the articles, to listen to the podcast, to build your own lineups. You can do that being a Roto-Radar member too, right? So it's not, we are, I guess, guess what I'm trying to say here. This might be a shocker and this might blow some people's mind that have lived under a rock for the last four years, but we do not just provide lineups. We do a lot more than that. Uh, so I think just to, to answer your question, hopefully I articulated in the way that was the, the most clear for all the listeners. There's a lot of things that have gone into the entire company, why we do what we do. And yeah, there is a very, I guess, interesting would be the most appropriate word, uh, demographic in this industry. But frankly, we've catered to who we want to cater to uh, and been very successful in doing so. And just full circle here and wrapping everything up on that entire answer to that question, which was, by the way, my favorite of the entire interview so far. Uh, but frankly, I love nothing more than waking up and seeing members shouting out screenshots saying, I want a hundred bucks. I want 50 bucks. I want 200 bucks. I want a thousand dollars. I took down a GPP, whatever the case may be. Uh, we've had more stories, Christian, over the last four years of people paying off their college debt, people buying new furniture for their living room, people that had no job. They had just lost their job. And now all of a sudden being a Rotoradar member kept them afloat for two or three months. We've had so many success stories and your question, that's why we do, and that's why I do what we do, is because of that success and that continued success for being able to say, here's the lineup that I put all this research into tonight. Here's the lineup that I'm putting $700 of mine on tonight. The, the lineup that I'm putting $2,000 of mine on tonight. Yes, the articles are great. The podcasts are great, but you can get that anywhere else. It's very hard that you can get a full-time daily fantasy sports successful pros exact lineup. And that's why the success has been there for the last four years. My Lord, man, that was, that was probably the best answer I've had on a podcast. And <laughs> since, since I've started doing this and the, 
again, I can't echo everything you say. And to me, again, I do sell uh, my personal betting selections. And what makes it different is when somebody, you know, a, a quote unquote client is when somebody realizes that it's a long game and you can't live and die, especially in a different sport, a sport like baseball, where it's such a grind. Everything has to be looked at from a big picture perspective. And if, you know, again, my stylistic of, of how I, I bet Major League Baseball is a little bit different than other people's in that it's a complete long game. Um, but so, again, the the touting community, because there is such a negative connotation, which is, is I mean, rightfully earned, if we're being truthfully honest here, um, yeah. because there are so many bad people in this industry. So many. I would say we're part of the not 1%, <laughs> part of the like 0. 0.001. Because to be to your point, Christian, there are, if there's 100, quote unquote, daily fantasy sports content providers on Twitter, 99 every single time out of that hundred are, are probably fraudulent. They're probably not legitimate and they probably have no substantiality behind their name. Exactly. And so is there, again, I know you touched on this, um, from that perspective, but is there, what is the kind of temperature of, um, you know, quote unquote tout, uh, lineup providers within the DFS, um, professional rankings? Is that kind of something, I mean, uh, truth be told, every professional gambler that I know in some way or another sells picks, be it, they get pick, uh, paid to, uh, create content with their picks on it, whether they run their own service, um, and they give their picks straight to clients. Um, but from a, professional gambler to professional gambler, uh, relationship. I mean, it's looked at again when it's done right. And you know that that person is doing it right. Um, it's not looked at very negative anymore. It's, it's almost, uh, you know, right. everyone That's is right. kind of doing it quote unquote. What is that temperature like in between, uh, or between DFS, uh, professionals? Well, I mean, that's, it's different professional to professional. Uh, I think that every single DFS pro looks at it through a different lens. Some, I mean, I have some really good relationships with a lot of high, high stake and high volume. Some of these guys are ranked top 10 uh, in the entire world. And, and we have communications and conversations on a daily or weekly basis. These guys are very good friends. And then you have that third part of the troll aspect, I guess the third third section of trolls that you deal with that are those higher stakes and those higher professionals, uh, that just, and, and this is kind of, I guess the frustrating thing on my behalf, we've been doing this for four years, Christian, we're not going anywhere. You know, it, it doesn't matter what's said on Twitter. It doesn't matter how many times they, they do anything in their power. The, the point is that I'm trying to make these guys that want us gone, are, are going to always think that way, exactly. right? We have to focus on us. It's not going to, it doesn't matter how many $75,000 nights I have. It doesn't matter how many members are successful. It doesn't matter that I have an 83% win rate on MLB on the entire season so far this year. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how legitimate we are. Just in their mind, we are a threat to their bottom line, right? If that makes sense. So they are no matter what, always going to have that impression. So I, to answer your question, that part of the industry, those trolls will never change their thought process. And, and I know that because they haven't over the last four years. It doesn't matter who we've hired. We've hired some of the biggest name pros in the whole world. You know, it doesn't matter how many times we've hit. It doesn't matter how much success we've had. I mean, none of that matters. They are going to continue to think, troll, do what they do. And for that reason, we just focus on us, right? We, we can't focus on that. Uh, and, and to the other part, so there's more than 50%. I would say 75, 25, 75% 75 of the high stakes professionals that you alluded to 
respect the crap out of what we do. They hear our clips that we pull on Twitter. They know that we know what we're talking about from our podcast. They've seen the clips that we pull from our articles. They know that our content is up there with the best in the entire industry. They've seen the results. So they respect us and they talk. I mean, lots of these guys, Christian, talk about lineups with me on the phone. They'll call me before lock and say, Hey, they might not be a pro for rotor radar. They might not be with the company, but they respect the fact that I am doing this full time and that the amount of research is also being put in on their end. So we brainstorm when we talk about it. So I guess there is a lot of mutual respect around the industry from high stakes pros to other high stakes pros. But then you also deal with that 20 to 25% of the industry. That's just always going to have that thought process and mindset. Yeah, man. And again, it's like that with kind of everything. Um, There's just, again, not much you can do. But the last thing that I want to touch on before we wrap this up is the expansion of DFS. Um, Why hasn't there been more DFS sites? Obviously, Yahoo is kind of the distant third to the DraftKings FanDuel, um, you know, apps and websites and everything like that. But um, what is kind of stopping uh, the expansion is there, I mean, is it just, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Why hasn't there more been more companies uh, or more entities, more apps, more kind of different ways to do it. And now obviously DraftKings and FanDuel's their salaries, their, their structure's the same, but the prices are wildly different. And again, uh, the Yahoo one, which does happen to be legal in Nevada, um, is yeah. very different. It's like, you know, instead of $4,000, things are $4 or $3. Um, sure. um, so what is, I just wanted to get your kind of point of view is why hasn't there been, uh, I guess more expansion in that, you know, this would be the equivalent for guys that don't know would be like, they're only being one or two offshore books. So say you have uh bet online and you have my and that's it. And then you have, uh, I don't know, five dimes, right? So that's the, right. the third one. Um, but why hasn't there been kind of a, a boom in, in platforms for people to use? Another really, really good question. And, and this is actually taken, I forgot when I started digging in, it probably was the first year. Uh, that we launched the company. But I started trying to dig into why and figure out why not only some companies don't pop up, but why some companies are disappearing and why some companies aren't making it. I think Fantasy Draft is the number three now. Uh, I think Yahoo's eh, maybe a close fourth, but I think Fantasy Draft's really made a lot of progress uh, over the last year, year and a half. But with that being said, obviously DraftKings and FanDuel control 95% of the industry maybe 99% of the industry. And there's multiple reasons. One, it's a comfort thing, right? These guys, these high stakes players, similar to myself, some that are a lot higher stakes than I am, some that bet 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, $100,000 a night. These guys have been playing on FanDuel and DraftKings since the inception, right? And they, they don't want to transfer funds. They already have their banks. I mean, here, full disclosure, once you start having wins, you have your bank wired where you can pull that money out, right? They, they don't want to mess around with something that's working. And, and to your point, if it's not broken, don't fix it. That is a reason. Another huge reason, I'll share a little secret here, if that's okay, Christian, with, with some of the listeners, uh, could be good listening. And I know that a lot of people don't know this, and I'm actually writing a book right now uh, regarding some of the hidden secrets in the daily fantasy sports industry. This is maybe not a hidden secret, but maybe one that's not talked about enough. You have a VIP host. So I have a VIP host. Uh, anybody that is a high-volume pro on FanDuel or DraftKings has a VIP. That VIP, essentially, that is your middleman. That is somebody that you are in communication with should you want to withdraw money. Should you want to play another contest? I can only imagine, 
And let me just start by saying that I bet for the last four years, anywhere between 700 to 1500 a night, right? I can only imagine if I'm getting offered by VIP hosts tickets to a $500 contest once a week. It's free tickets, no buy-in, no entry, all kinds of stuff, swag, invite. I mean, we're talking a lot of different invites to contests. What do you think the guys that are putting in $100,000 on their websites are getting? I mean, imagine. <laughs> yeah, ima- imagine the kind of perks. So, so to your point, and, and a lot of times people in the industry will talk about this online, whatever the case may be, and say, why are these high volume pros betting on side A? Let's use side A as FanDuel, where the rake is through the roof when they could bet on fantasy draft for half the rake or no rake. You know, and the reason is these guys, these companies, FanDuel and DraftKings have figured it out. They now they know how to keep the high volume guys where they are. So I guess that's I don't want to give away too much, but I want to at least say that, Christian. I think that has a large impact. Think about it. I mean, if they're betting 100 grand a night, even 50 grand a night. What what's the level of importance? Whether we want to admit this, whether we want to realize this as consumers, where do you think that the, the guy that's betting five dollars a night stands compared to let's go ahead and throw a name out there, Papa Gates? Where do you think that these guys stand compared to the Condias and the Papa Gates of the world? The, you're the reality get your automated yeah. e- email, but you're not a blip on their radar. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to yeah, make you look exactly. important because it's a copy and pasted email, but right. Right, exactly. And that's that's my point is I think that the reason that these two sites have essentially monopolized the industry uh, is because they've learned how to be very successful at keeping, let's just use the term, their important, their targeted clientele feel important and, exactly. and feel like they – you know, shouldn't go anywhere else. So they've they've done a really good job at that. And again, if, if people are handing you five hundred dollars or handing me five hundred dollars, maybe they're handing them ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars in contest tickets. Why would you go anywhere else? Yeah. Right? It's just like Las Vegas and, and the the uh comps and stuff that you get that's based on your points and everything like that. I mean it's it's the truth of the matter. Um one last question because you just kind of sparked my interest and I promise we're like we're gonna uh let you get out of here, man. But you touched on something very, very uh important that I do want to touch on because the things you hear in the whispers is that there's like what four percent of uh the uh, DraftKings and FanDuel players are, are making money the same. It's the same 4% um, that make money uh, time and time again. And the rest of the fields are kind of drawing blind and don't have much of a chance. Um, obviously, uh, DFS sites have done some things to mitigate that in that with creating rankings, you know, a quote unquote pro can't go out there and just kind of uh, look for fish anymore the way that they used to, the way I used to. And it used to be kind of an easy payday um, in that you could see people's stats, you could see who was new, um, and you could kind of go through that. Obviously, that's kind of gone away. Um, is there any validity to those statements that you hear people make that it's the same 5% only uh, making money on daily fantasy or have things changed? Or you know, should somebody that wants to get into daily fantasy as a second income, as a sole income, should they be still worried about that? Or um, And on top of that, what, what kind of advice would you give to people that are just starting out? This is what I ask everyone uh, in the niche handicapping series uh, that you know things that you wish somebody had told you or anything to look out for when they want to try to get their foot in the door and try to uh, make a living at this. 
Well, do you have another three hours? Because I could give, <laughs> the abbreviated version. I, I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could give uh, a lot of things that I wish that I would have known coming into this. I guess here I'll, I'll I'll make the sales pitch now. If you are just getting started and you want to be profitable, we have a documented success over the last four years. So go sign up www.rotoradar.net. Uh, that's the only plug that I'm going to give for our website. Uh, but here I'll, I'll say this too. I, I think that just kind of brainstorming and thinking about that number, that proverbial 4% that only profits, I would think, and I would like to think that that number has increased and will continue to increase, not just because of Rotoradar, not just because of our site, but because the amount of content that's accessible out there on the internet in the daily fantasy sports industry continues to grow and blow my mind every single year. And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And that's, I think, where a lot of people go wrong. And where here, I'll I'll touch on a sore subject that I'm sure that probably a lot of people weren't going to think that I was going to touch on here on the interview. But why not? Already given away some information. DraftKings will not allow you to sell lineups, right? DraftKings, you cannot sell a a full lineup. You cannot provide a lineup on any professional site from one site to the other. FanDuel, Fantasy Draft, any other site does. Right, so what's the difference? What's what's going on there? Uh, FanDuel's statement: When people, let's just use those high volume trolls again, those high volume trolls, right? DraftKings, they're going to do everything in their power to report to you know say we're doing something wrong. When they do that to FanDuel, you know what their answer is, Christian? What's you know that? what FanDuel responds to them with? I Get better. Get better. <laughs> that's what they respond to the people that say that to, to anyone on FanDuel and Nigel, the CEO of the company. That is his philosophy is get better, beat these guys. And, and that applies to what we were just talking about. The industry is getting sharper. There are more tools at your disposal than there ever has been in the Same history of the company. Same thing has happened with uh, a more informed public in the betting community. 100%. So what do you have to do? Get better. Right? I mean, and that's always been my philosophy and probably to a fault. I don't want to ever use that as an excuse. You see so many people in the daily fantasy sports industry. I'm sure that it's probably similar in the world that you live in too. use that as a crutch. They say, man, my win percentage this NBA season so much lower than last NBA season because the level of competition has increased that much. Mm -hmm. Right. In my opinion, I'm just going to work that much harder. I'm just going to outwork the competition. I'm going to research more. If, if other people are seeing it and other people are getting better, then what's my reason? I'm doing this full time. Why can't I see it too? Right. So my, I, I guess, thought process is that number of 4%, I think that might have been real three years ago, four mm -hmm. years ago, maybe when we started, maybe that increased to 6% three years ago. Maybe that increased to 8% two years ago. Maybe that's increased to 10% last year. And, and that number is going to continue to increase for the number and the percentage. That percentage is of the profitable players in the daily fantasy sports industry because they're more knowledgeable and they're getting better. So again, that, that does kind of come back to the point of, of what we do and what we provide. We only have 2,500 active members. I mean, I'm very proud of that. I think that that's an amazing testament to where we've started, where we've come from. Uh, that's something that I, that I am proud of. But those 2,500 members that are subscribing and, and actively subscribing to us, those are that's that's a decent amount size of the field. So we're educating, we're increasing the odds for those members in in the prize pools and in the contest. So yeah, I guess back to your point, uh, this is something that I think you're going to start seeing as trends develop, 
over the course of time, not just this year, but next year and the years to come, there's just more information out there and, and the level of competition is getting harder. But I guess the word of wisdom that I would give to somebody that is just dabbling in this for the very first time, never played daily fantasy sports, had always thought about it, they'd been on that proverbial fence, I would tell them use the 80-20 method that I did patent. I should have patented. I should have put this in writing because now everybody in the industry uses it. Uh, but four years ago, I came out publicly in videos of myself talking about the 80-20 rule. It never had been talked about before in the entire industry. And I swear I'll put my hand on a Bible on this, Christian. This was my thing. And now it's become a industry-wide thing. But for the listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, I'll explain. Bet 80% of what you're betting in in cash games. Bet 20% the other 20% in GPPs, in tournaments. Essentially what that does is that no matter what, if you're hitting in cash games, you're going to have a profitable night and it still gives you the same ceiling for that remainder, that remaining 20% for you to maximize the return on your investment should all your players have three touchdown games, right? Uh, so yeah, again, 80-20 is what you should be betting on a nightly basis. Don't play double ups, play 50-50s. Uh, obviously you're going to get paid a little bit less on 50 fifties than you are double ups, but how many nights are you going to be right there on the edge, man? I just needed that extra single. I needed that extra double to get into the cash line. And now all of a sudden you go from a complete loss to maybe that single, maybe that double isn't what you needed in a 50 50. Maybe you're already in the cash line. So many times over the course of a season, if you're looking to be profitable, uh, you'll see these discrepancies and that could be the difference of, you know, a 67% win rate over the course of an MLB season in 50-50s and a 61% in double-ups or even a 59% in double-ups. I mean, we've seen that large of a discrepancy, so I would encourage, implore, just really push you to make sure that you're protecting that bankroll. Don't be lackadaisical. Don't go play 100% of your bankroll in GPPs and tournaments your first night. Don't chase those large field GPPs. And I'll also say this. To the GPP point, I just said that I was going to not talk for three hours. I feel like I'm talking for three hours now. <laughs> but for the GPPs that you're playing in, don't play in these $3 GPPs or $6 GPPs or $9 multi-entry GPPs. What you're doing, and you're doing this blind, if you've never played daily fantasy sports, you don't know that this is an unwritten rule. There is max entries. They're called MMEs. There's multi entries into these contests. So if you're playing a single bullet in a $3 GPP where 100K gets paid out to first place, there are guys like Papa Gates, Condi of the past, guys that are very max dowry, guys that are very high volume players that are maxing these contests out. What does that mean? They might have 100 entries into this contest. They might have 200 entries into this. They might have 500 entries into this contest. So now your sing single bullet is competing against let's say 200 other entries that they put in. How, how high of odds do you think that you're really dealing with here? I mean, we're talking probably higher odds than the lottery, but not by much. Exactly. So my encouragement to you would be play the single entry GPPs. Look for that, that name next to the name uh, when you're looking for these tournaments in the lobbies because if, if you're playing a $100 single entry you know, and you're playing in a $50 multi-entry GPP, the prize pool might not be, it's probably, I mean, 100% unequivocally, it's not going to be as high of a prize pool, but your odds are going to increase substantially. Last thing, last bit of advice, Christian, I promise I'll, I'll jump off here for daily fantasy sports players. Look at the contest. Okay. So look at the contest that you're going to join for the tournament, for the GPP on draft.
DraftKings, and I'll say this to DraftKings' point, it's a, their, it's a work in their favor here. They pay out roughly 23 to 25% of their GPPs. So of the people that are playing in the GPPs, specifically the higher stakes, you're looking around that percentage. On FanDuel, and again, I'm not encouraging people only to play on DraftKings and FanDuel. I'm just encouraging you to pay attention to these numbers. On FanDuel, you could be legitimately dealing with, with only the top 16 or 17% of the field getting paid out. Okay, so this is... These are things that you have to pay attention to. I know that you don't really want to. I know you only want to play daily fantasy sports just to make that quick buck. Hopefully that's not the case, but some people that is. Uh, but you have to. the equivalent to of only playing five-team parlays to kind of make exactly. that parallel to the uh, sports gambling world for anyone that doesn't yeah. know. Exactly. So just take your time. Do your due dil- dil- diligence. Make sure that you're protecting your bankroll and not just throwing it away. Uh, yeah, and again, there are two different approaches. One is the cash game grind. That's the 80, 20 rule. It's worked for me for the last four years, put food on the table for my family, for my child. Uh, and I've been very successful in doing so. You can also take the GPP route. I don't even want to talk about that. Maybe we'll save that for another show, Christian, because I know that that's just going to hurt everybody's head when I just preached <laughs> to use that 80, 20 rule. But there is a different world that you can live in in DFS. And maybe we'll talk about that at another time. Awesome, buddy. Well, again, man, I can't thank you enough. And this has probably been one of the most uh, in-depth, insightful interviews that uh, we've done on here, kind of detailing the differences between professional daily fantasy uh, and professional gambling and everything that was uh, talked about with legalization, man. And so one final time, man, please plug everything that you have going on with Rodar Radar, where people can find you um, and just uh, where anybody can get in touch with you if they want to uh, uh, sign up for a package with you uh, or talk with you about anything. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a $10,000 giveaway that we're doing in July with some huge, huge announcements that we're going to be making. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rotoradar CEO. Super easy. Uh, follow the company Twitter at Rotoradar. Also very easy. Uh, go sign up on our website. It's www.rotoradar.net. Uh, you can go get all of this information and I'll just plug this. You can get my content for MLB for tonight's slates, big slate. Uh, You can go get that by signing up. We have a podcast that we're going to be doing here in about two hours uh, for all of the listeners. So you'll be able to hear that. And it's actually a free podcast. Every Friday we do a free show. So you'll be able to listen to that 100% free. See if we really know what we're talking about. Was this all just hype or is there some validity to going and signing up for the website? Uh, That's why we do it for free. We want people to hear that we know what we're talking about. So go listen to today's show. Uh, Then finally, the World Cup is almost here. Here, that is next week. That's the next big event that we have going on. We have one of the best soccer pros in the entire world. He's ranked top 10 uh, in the world. He's going to be providing soccer content. It's only 100 bucks, 99.99 for the entire World Cup. Uh, he's also providing MLS and EPL in there as well. So he's going to be providing European soccer, Major League Soccer, and World Cup soccer for 100 bucks for the entire summer. Uh, really, really good package there to go get started and go get signed up with one of the best soccer pros in the world but can't uh, thank you enough christian it was a great show and, and really enjoyed being on here and just kind of brainstorming a lot of things that i wasn't prepared to talk about here on the air but I, i'm glad that we did i think that this is a good forum uh for a lot of different topics to to have the air cleared so thanks for having me on here 
Absolutely, man. And again, um, I, I will never have anyone on this podcast that I don't personally know uh, without a shadow of a doubt does things the right way. And I can't say enough good things about uh, what you have done over there and, and the content and stuff that you have put out, man. So uh, best of luck with the MLB slate. Uh, it's a grind, man. I've been out for another three months. So best of luck every night, buddy. Um, and again, uh, as always, guys, please rate, subscribe and review on iTunes. <laughs>